What's up, Clipper Nation? It's me, your dude, William the Opinion Updike. I am joined by no one today. Still no Charles Mockler. I think he's going to be back Tuesday, so all those positive Chuck fans just hang in tight. The man will be back. I swear it won't just be me from, from here on out, but you got one last solo cast from me. Got a heck of a show lined up for you today. Uh... Clippers beat the Celtics. I don't know if you knew. I certainly didn't until later. I turned off the game when it got a little too uh, a, a little too out of reach. I was a fool. I was wrong to have ever doubted this squad. They came back. I'm going to kick things off with a little recap of that action. And then we're going to get into a preview of the Timberwolves versus Clippers game coming up. Uh, that this evening, actually. It's coming up real, real soon. So I'm going to get you up to speed for everything that you need to know on that one. Make sure to listen before you watch that game. Uh, I'm going to be giving you what we need to do to win, get some key matchups, etc., etc. And then... Today is Monday, which means the weekly segment, The Freshies, where I'm going to get into a little bit more about this new look Clipper squad. Guys, if you haven't been listening before, we are, I am rather, Locked On Clippers, part of the Locked On NBA Network, coming at you five days a week with all the fresh Clippers content. And we are going to kick that content off right now. Okay, so Clippers were able to pull out a very clutch win over the Celtics, final score on that one, 123-112. to 112. Things looked pretty bleak here, uh, especially going into the half. We were down by as much as 28 in this game, uh, which got a little bit hard to watch at times. But uh, just some quick notes. Uh, <clears throat> Kyrie did go out with injuries there uh, after the first half, so... I guess that that played to our played to our favor. Uh, always a bummer to have a player go down, especially somebody of his caliber. But hey, we fought through it. We pulled out the dub. Uh, after getting outscored twenty to forty three in the first, we were able to win the next consecutive three quarters, including uh, including sixteen point outscores of the Celtics in the third and fourth quarter. Pretty incredible. Uh, Gallo finished with 19, 10, and 4. Trez added a strong 21, 6, and 2. Looks really great. Going to be talking more about him later. Shea, I, I was really a fan of this performance, uh, especially the aggressiveness, which I will cover a little bit later. But he finished with 14, 4, and 5. He did have as many turnovers as he had assists. Uh, really the length of Boston, though. I, I kind of put that more on them than it was necessarily bad decision-making from him. Patrick Beverly got the uh, NBA Fantasy Player of the Game nod from uh, stats.nba.com. He finished with 12, 9, and 7. They kept leaving him open in the corner. It was kind of unfathomable uh, for me, but, man, he looks great over there. So the real the real performance of the night, though, uh, had to have been Landry Shamit. He finished with 17-2-3, but those 17 points were so crucial, um, and especially in the fourth quarter, he was really able to turn it on and, you know, claw this game, claw this team out from any sort of deficit and, and, and really establish a solid lead. Uh, as I said, we ended up living, winning by 11, so, like, Quite a quite a comeback from a 28-point um, deficit. So some quick stats. We did lose the turnover battle, 17-12. to 12. This, to me, was to be expected. Uh, Boston has a great defense. Uh, I believe it's top 10, possibly top 5. So not much of a surprise there. Um, they also have a lot of length uh, with those with those kind of, uh, with those rangy forwards. Uh, obviously, Brown, 
uh, Tatum and Hayward, a lot of guys who can kind of wreak havoc in those passing lanes. So it, it's not that big of a surprise to me that we that we did end up losing that turnover battle. Uh, like I said, Shea had five turnovers, um, which I do think limited his playing time to some degree. He still ended up playing about 26 minutes. And then we also had three turnovers from Lou Will, a little bit uncharacteristic, and then two from a few other players. So all in all, not great there, but you know, I knew it was going to be hard for us to control the ball, especially against a team this good. I was surprised that we were able to force them into 12 turnovers. I feel like that's a little bit uncharacteristic for their squad. Uh, we did win rebounding, 49 to 45, a very slim margin of victory there. Uh, it was a little bit troublesome, especially uh, watching us on the defensive glass in this first, in the first quarter, but the, the really the first half, they got a lot of second chance opportunities that they were able to capitalize on, and that's something that we need to address moving forward. We did move the ball really well, however, which I'm always a fan of. Uh, big shout-outs to to our guy, Corey Maggetti, the uh, you know uh, great great commentator, great former Clipper, but uh, he always states that you got to move the ball from side to side. Couldn't be more true. We were able to do that, uh, out-assisted them 28-21. to There was some movement that actually looked really, really good. Shea had a couple of clutch assists. Uh, all in all, it's pretty solid, pretty solid ball movement, especially against such a lengthy team with such great defense. We shot forty percent from three, which you love to see, and uh, had a forty-eight percent field goal percentage overall, which I I think could be higher, especially given that we now have a, a, a true size big. Trez was also just eating people up, um, so I, I I think that that could have been even higher. But you know, once again, I I, I keep commenting on their defense. They're a solid team. Uh, we outscored Boston in the paint, forty-six to forty. Man, Horford wanted none of Trez. Uh, it was it, it was really pretty impressive to watch. The bench did get outscored, which is a little bit of a bummer, though. Boston is a very deep team. Obviously, you know they're they're in that conversation for top contenders in the East. But our bench did get outscored, fifty-five to fifty-nine. So not terrible. Didn't get murked by any means. This was one of the few performances uh, in recent memory where our starters, uh, our, our starters were able to outscore the other team starters, which feels crazy that I'm saying that. But now with some lineup changes and stuff, I actually, I expect this to be more of the norm. Uh, but we did outscore their st- starters, sixty-eight to fifty-three. Love that. Great performance from our guys. So just a little bit more macro view of the game. We started the first shooting 24% from the field, opposed to their 50. They were so hot-handed; it looked like they couldn't miss. Uh, they, were, you know, they were getting obviously like high percentage shots inside, uh, which are easy conversions. But they were also like they were also knocking down all sorts of contested jumpers. So, you know, uh, big kudos to them for that early shooting streak. Glad we were able to pull it out. Our defense looked understandably underprepared. Um, it, it seemed like there was maybe some miscommunication at times. It seemed like guys weren't exactly sure where to be. And, you know, it, it's a couple of things. A, this was their first game with this new look Clippers, whom I'm loving, by the way. And also, you know, Boston, Boston has a great coach in Brad Stevens. And I think that they're going to constantly, you know, they, they have a great pace and space kind of kind of offense that that's going to make defenses even ones that are more gelled than ours was ours was in this game look a little silly at times so we definitely fell victim to that 
Um, they were able to exploit a lot of mismatches, especially in that first half on the inside with their lengthy forwards like Tatum and, and their guards even like fisting on uh, feasting. <laughs> Not fisting, feasting on mismatches inside. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, we got more active on defense in the second. The Celtics continued to knock down those big contested jumpers. Terry Rozier at one point had an unbelievable three, like a stop in transition pull up from from comfortably outside of the arc and knocked it down. It was demoralizing. Uh, Harold was the biggest beacon of light in in the second quarter. He's like he was kind of scoring at will on the inside, uh, even against uh, the much larger Horford. As I said, it seemed like at, at parts of that Horford wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, you know, Trez was just really a monster in there. We we did a little bit better job on the defensive glass in the second half. Um, as I said, we did win the rebound battle, forty nine to forty five. This is something that I think is going to need more work. Um, we can't be allowing so many second and, and sometimes even third chance points for these for these teams. So that, that's something that can be improved. I, I think Zubats is a is a good addition for that. Um, we'll certainly see how it works out. We will miss the rebounding of Tobias. Obviously, I'm hoping that Garrett Temple can step up a little bit to fill that role. I'm sure Gallo's rebound numbers will increase. He did lead the team in rebounds in this match against the Celtics with 10. Um, so you, you do love to see our, you know, our larger forwards able to step up and kind of fill that. But I'd like to see Zubats be a little bit more, um, a little bit more aggressive uh, on the on the defensive glass. So the Shea was, as I said, a lot more aggressive, uh, especially in the third. He led to a couple of clutch bu- buckets. Like I said, he did have some turnovers, but I think that that is part of being aggressive too. You know, I think that you, or we rather, have to take the good with the bad as a fan base and um, as fans of this franchise. And I would prefer to see him have these nights where he's, you know, where he's putting up 14, 4, and 5, even if there is five turnovers. Um, just because that's that's so much more instrumental in his growth than you know getting benched every time he has a bad pass or or travels or something like that. Obviously, you don't want to see the travels. I mean that 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 is maybe a benchable offense, but bad passes I will live with. So the story of the game was definitely the fourth quarter. Uh, Shamit came alive with 13 points and an, and an assist, and Beverly uh, contributed to 10 and three in that fourth quarter. Uh, the game is not winnable without without both these guys playing as well as they did. Uh, it was really, really solid, really great performance. Shandry, uh, I or Shamit rather, I believe went four of five from deep. Man, this guy is incredible. Um, you know, I'd seen a little bit of him on the Sixers. Uh, I'd heard that he was like the highest percentage shooting rookie in the class. And granted, it's on less attempts than guys like say Trey Young, but. Man, he I just already see him as being such a crucial part of this offense. So love to see that. Uh, love to see more Shaman. Shout out to Jamichael Green, who held Morris to one of three during, uh, I think he covered Morris for about 30% of Morris's total uh, possessions. So love to see that. Jamichael did not have a great offensive game. I think he finished with about two points. So I'd love to see that go up a little bit higher. He has a better, as of this season, three-point percentage than Mike Scott, and I had predicted earlier that he would be a kind of a valued addition at that at the backup four role. Um, uh, 
What else? Oh, Trez really ate Horford on both ends. I've talked already at length about him uh, offensively. However, he held Horford to one of five, and he split guarding him with Zubac. I think they both guarded Horford, each one of them, for around 50% of his total possessions. And Zubac also held him to two of five. So you love to see that. Uh, We've had a lot of trouble with centers, especially centers who can space the floor, especially guys who can do a lot. And obviously Horford's athleticism is declining, and he's never been like a big above-the-rim kind of player. But still, he he can be a dominant center. And so to see a performance like this where they're really kind of able to shut him down I thought that that was very encouraging. Uh, Shamit also was pretty solid defensively. Held Brown to 0 of three. Um, I'm going to give all that credit to Shamit and not and 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 say that it's not Jalen Brown having shooting struggles. It's definitely 100% Shamit. He's great. Uh, so before I wrap this up, Chuck had a few notes that he wanted me to pitch in on this one. He said we're a small team. Uh, which is interesting. I, I guess I talked about this a little bit at the top, but yeah, Boston is kind of tailor made to beat us. Uh, but we do have Shamit. Uh, Charles said this dude is insane. Where did we get this guy? Uh, he loves him. So, you know, big shout out to Shamit. Much love from from Positive Chuck and myself. Um, Charles wanted me to know that the Celtics did play like ass, scoring 12 in the third. But, you know, I, I, I have to attribute some of that to us kind of stepping up our game, especially on the glass um, in that second half and in and, and the third quarter. So, Charles also wants to point out that uh, the a win is is really the only outcome of this season. Anything that happens could be great. Uh, we get the draft pick, great. We make the playoffs with a young squad, great. Basically, we cannot lose. Uh, he also wants to reiterate his idea of giving Montrez Harrell ten mil a year for a lifetime contract. Uh, I think that sounds great. Uh, you give me. You give me the pen and paper, I'm ready to sign that bad boy. I'm his agent now. Uh, I fully I fully condone this. So that about does it for the recap of the Celtics game. Uh, stay tuned. I'm going to do a little preview of the upcoming Timberwolves-Clippers game. But first, guys, the Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, if you follow at LockedOnNet, uh, you get all the Locked On podcast local hosts covering their NFL or NBA teams on the feed. So if you follow a bunch of uh, different Locked On hosts, as you should, this will kind of aggregate everything into, into a single feed. It's great during games, breaking news, and, and it'll give you like kind of a more local perspective. On Instagram, Locked On Net is giving you the biggest stories in just one minute on your Instagram stories and longer cuts uh, on the feeds, make sure to follow Locked On Net on both Twitter and Instagram. So, previewing this matchup against the Timberwolves. A uh, couple quick notes. Luke is still out. Uh, Charles wanted me to remark on whether this is the worst signing of the year for us. I would be inclined to say yes. Um, Luke, uh, I love this the idea of this signing. I was a little bit hesitant after you know the shoulder injury that he had obviously and was kind of no longer a contributing member of the Rockets after that happened I believe it was on a dunk attempt in a game that they were already comfortably winning and I, it was either the last uh, regulation game of the season or or darn near but that hasn't even been the problem it, he's now suffering from a knee thing or something um, this has been 
I, I think he's played all four games so far, so this has not been the most valuable signing. It's it's kind of up there though with Milos in that we you know we we didn't buy him out. We opted to keep him and then kind of didn't play him at all and now and now waived him. So I don't know. Both up there. Both I I don't really know what the front office was thinking with those moves. Maybe they were considering trading Milos for something and it just never came out. Don't really know. But anyways, the Timberwolves have the 10th worst record in the league. Uh, What is this team? I mean, the Timberwolves were a team that last year I definitely thought was a lock to make the playoffs. Obviously, Jimmy Butler went out for a while and they were able to limp their way in to a a, a gentleman's sweep in uh, in the first round. But uh, ever since then, I don't feel like they've been able to make that much noise. Um, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is incredible. Could still has the um, definitely the upside to be a generational talent. Andrew Wiggins has not looked as good. Uh, the Timberwolves are currently coming off of four straight losses. They lost to the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Magic, and the Pels. And three out of those four teams all have worse records than us. So. That would be pretty solid if we could get a win tonight. That would actually tie us for seventh place with the Spurs, which would be really awesome. Uh, and just from a like kind of bird's eye perspective, the Timberwolves possess the 13th ranked offense and the 20th ranked defense, whereas we are the possessors of the 11th ranked offense and the 21st ranked defense. So they're marginally, uh, if you want to even say marginally, better than us defensively, and we are the clear winners offensively. So let's get into what do we need to do to win this game. Uh, we're going to have to limit their offensive boards. They rank fourth in the league in offensive boards. Uh, hopefully, with with Zubats uh, in there, we're able to limit that some. You know, he he is a traditional size center, which we've been lacking all season, and you know it it, it didn't look good for us on the defensive glass um, against Boston. So hopefully. On this end, we can limit their their amount of offensive rebo- rebounds. We can kind of cut into that number and stop them from getting a lot of second chance opportunities. So, what else do we need to do to win? We gotta let it rain from three. Um, I think we saw pretty clearly what Shamit can do last game. We already know what Gallo is capable of. So, if these two guys are on the floor, there are two elite three point shooters. And that really helps to space things out. Um, you know, Shamit, man, it's incredible watching his release. It's so fast. He's, you know, I, I hate to make the J.J. Redick comparison because I feel like that's kind of cliche and just still kind of too early to tell. Redick is incredible, like a, just an incredible shooter throughout his entire career. He can just shoot in any sort of motion, come to a stop, pop. Um, it's really incredible, but I, I do see Shamit as the the baby version of that, and hopefully he can kind of evolve into that sort of role. Uh, the Timberwolves also allow their opponents to convert 37% of, of their trays taken, which makes them 28th in the league, so they allow a lot of really good looks. Um, they're also, opponents are averaging about 19 attempts from three a game on them, uh, which makes them in the bottom uh, 10 of the league. So opponents are getting a lot of shots from three on the Timberwolves. They're getting a lot of high percentage shots from three on the Timberwolves. And that 19 a game, you know, fits in pretty well to our three-point percentage or our three-point attempts rather per game. However, I would definitely like to see that number picked up tonight, especially if we can get those sort of high 
just kind of high percentage looks. Um, we're currently taking about 25 a game. So I expect that number to hold fairly true tonight. And yeah, if we can generate those kind of looks, let's let it rain. There's no reason to not. Um, what else do we need to do to win? Take the defensive momentum we had in the third quarter last night, or on rather on Saturday against the Celtics. We held them to 12 points. And hopefully we can kind of tap into that again. Um it would really suck to see a blowout loss in this game if we came back from 28 in Boston. I think we can definitely beat the Wolves. So, um, They take a decent amount of free throws, about ninth most in the league, um, and they make about the sixth most in the league. So it's going to be really important if we want to sneak out a win tonight is to stay out of foul trouble. We're going to need to play smart defense, obviously, and then use our speed and that kind of downhill play that we have um, to lure them into foul trouble, to draw fouls, to take contact. Um, obviously going to be looking at guys like Gallo. I think Shea getting into the line would be awesome. Um, obviously Lou will, you know, he is just a master at drawing those fouls. So I really hope that those guys can, um, get us to the line, especially if shots aren't falling and really lock down this win. So what could go wrong in this game? Um, Carl Anthony Towns, he could eat our lunch. Uh, he's, you know, we've seen time and time again what these really kind of rangy athletic centers can do to us. We do have Zoo now. Um, it's still a little bit worrisome just given the lack of true centers or true true size centers at the five position for the Clippers. However, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that Cat really even wants it with Trez. Obviously, Trez is a lot smaller, but he plays with a kind of intensity that Cat can't match. However, what could go wrong is Cat could have a really big game, and that would that you know that's that's a matchup that's not great for this team. Turnovers, we gotta watch the turnovers. They turn the ball over the third least in the NBA, so we gotta be really careful with the ball. Um, as I said, you know if if Shea's playing big minutes, uh, that number might be a little bit higher than we want it to be. So it's gonna be up on the it's gonna be up to us to really get them stopped in transition anytime there is a turnover and obviously just ideally control the ball well and prevent that from happening in the first place. So what else could go wrong? Our new squad could go through some growing pains and not communicate well on defense. Uh, with Jeff Teague running that second unit, you know, he he's really capable of dishing the ball out well. Uh, he is coming back from an injury, but he played Friday. He's at, still averaging eight assists a game, which is a lot. Um, and, you know, on, on that second unit, that could be huge for them. Our, we're, you know, our, while our starters, I feel like, have improved as a whole, you know, we still are a team that relies on how deep our bench is to really keep us in game. So you don't want somebody like Teague able to tear us up at all. Um, so and, uh, the last thing that could go wrong is that they could just kill us on the boards. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty pretty usual for us. Uh, we're, we're, we're always kind of worried about how we're going to handle the rebounding game but you know uh ideally we can we can do this one well so key matchups bench versus bench uh obviously they have some good solid bench guys in Sarge and Teague our second unit is going to have to be huge for us uh they're definitely going to be responsible for keeping us in this one and maybe even establishing the lead i think uh Lou and Shamit are obviously going to be huge in 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 exploiting that lead 
lead, and I hope that they can play well together. Uh, I expect Pat Beverly to also be playing some minutes with his second unit. He'll probably get big minutes again tonight, especially if he's got the hot hand again. And his rebounding recently has just been really pretty incredible. So I expect him to get some pretty big minutes. So Taj Gibson versus Gallo. I think that Gallo is going to cook Taj Gibson. Um, Taj obviously getting up there in age a little bit. They might end up switching Wiggins onto Gallo, in which case I'd really like to see Gallo uh, exploiting his, uh, using his strength, strongest man in the NBA, on Wiggins in post-ups and kind of dominating the inside. So let's go Shea versus any of their point guards or versus Kogi. Uh, all their guards pose a different kind of threat. Obviously, Rose is having like a career year, who I haven't even mentioned in this podcast, and I think that you know why if you listen to this podcast. Uh, Teague, obviously very solid passer, and Akogi has a lot of energy. Hopefully, Shea can can kind of pick his spots well and get to get to the basket and you know make some make some clutch passes. So we'll just see what happens. My overall prediction for this one is going to be one twenty to one eleven clips. Um, that about does it for this game matchup. Stay tuned where I get into our weekly segment, The Freshies. All right, so Charles wanted to float this lineup out there. He says, what about a lineup of Shea, Jerome, Landry, Trez, and Gallo at the five? I mean, that's that's a spicy meatball. You know I love anytime the meatball is up. Uh, I guess I would probably just have to counter with, I like the idea of... Shea, Landry, maybe uh, maybe Garrett Temple, actually. So, so pretty close to our starting lineup, but swap out Pat Bev for, um, for Shamit, obviously. And then, yeah, keep, keep Trez at the four and Gallo at the five. Um, I think against this could maybe even work against their second unit tonight. Uh, only time will tell. It, it, it really won't cut the mustard against uh, a center like Cat. But against second units, I, I could see a lineup similar to that kind of crushing. So uh, recently the Clippers did the, the playbook. Um, and we're wondering if it's the coolest thing a front office does around the league. Um, you know, I, I don't know how how open other teams are with their trades and stuff, but I like that our organization kind of sits down and offers their explanation on how and why they're making these big moves. I think the transparency from a front office is great for a fan base. I, I think that it it makes you so much more involved. You know, obviously so much of our time is spent outside of watching games, like just thinking about trades, talking about trades, imagining trades, hypothesizing trades. So for a front office to kind of have fans be involved, I think that that's, I think that that's pretty cool. Um, so they discussed the Tobias trade. Lawrence Frank said that, you know, we didn't set out to deal Tobias in that Blake Griffin deal, but the trade that, you know, was available to us was too, too good to pass up. Uh, obviously Tobias is having, a, you know, already a great performances with, with the Sixers. However, I still would say that we won this trade and that that's nothing against Tobias. It's just, we were able to kind of replenish our, our, our treasure chest of, of draft picks and stuff and kind of bolster our chances at, um, a trade for a marquee player. If we're unable to get the players that we want in free agency. And, you know, while it was definitely a big swing to let go of, of, arguably your best player on the team. I think that sometimes it's worth it as a contingency plan, just knowing what we plan to do in this offseason. Um, 
So Lawrence Frank also talked on Shamit uh, during the draft workout. He just said that he checked all the the boxes with what he's been consistent about, his character and his work ethic and the type of teammate he is. Um, and then he said in like the interview what's typically a throwaway line. They ask the player if they have any questions. And normally a guy goes, uh, you know, I'm good. And Landry was immediately like, yeah, I have five. And he's got questions for Jerry West. He asked Jerry questions. He's got Doc. He's asking Doc questions. Uh, and he's asking Steve Ballmer questions. And, you know, uh, what Larry said was that that really kind of stuck with him. Um, and talking on Wilson Chandler, who's been kind of a longtime uh, name attached to the Clippers, he's got a lot of Clipper characteristics. He's hard playing. He's tough. He's competitive and versatile. He has leadership qualities. Um, Michael Winger had this to say about Balmer, whether it's within our player development staff or our medical staff or an office staff or the building or the new arena or the new facility. These are just tangible examples of his thumbprint on the organization, and I think it ultimately starts with him. You'd love to hear that about Steve Ballmer. Um, you know, he has the vision for the franchise. It, 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 it is a compelling vision. He's definitely turned this franchise around so quickly. So all in all, sum up for this freshies is that the future is exciting, and, you know, we should all be jacked for this. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what this team is going to do this season. I cannot wait for for the, the offseason to start and all the trades to go down. But anyways, that's all I've got for you today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. As I said, we're Locked on Clippers. I'm Locked on Clippers today, part of the Locked on NBA Network. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, uh, write a comment. It really does a lot for us. Tell your friends. Heck, tell everyone you know to, to listen to Locked on Clippers. Uh, I'm sure we can convert them to being a Clippers fan. So that does it for me. As I said, guys, I'm William the Opinion Updike. Thanks for tuning in.